This is Unbeaten here on WMUA 91.1 FM. Today is Tuesday, November 20th. We got a great show, so let's get things started. Welcome everybody to the Unbeaten Show. My name is Ryan Beaton here on WMUA 91.1 FM. And it is another Tuesday, 11 o'clock. This episode is being recorded uh, pretty much like a week ahead of time. So by the time you are listening to this, the Minute Women will have the Minute Women basketball team will have already played uh, Central Connecticut. So I don't know the result of that game at the moment. Um, there will be a game tonight that I don't believe we will be able to broadcast. I'm not positive that a lot of people will be around for Thanksgiving break. I do have some good news. Um, I'm like 99% confident that we will be able to continue a coach's show with Coach Verdi moving forward this season. It sounds like he is willing or the women's basketball organization is willing to work with us in doing like a weekly sit down with coach and a couple players on Friday uh, Friday mornings to sort of wrap up the week I think that'll be sort of a really nice treat for anyone that wants some some more inside uh, coverage of the women's basketball team here at UMass I think that they're Personally, I think the women's team is the second most exciting team right now on campus behind hockey. I mean, you can't argue hockey is the most exciting, ranked number four uh, in the country, Got off, have gotten off to an amazing, amazing start. And then the women's team, I think, to be honest, in terms of the potential, where where they could go, have you know the highest ceiling right now. I think basketball has a pretty low floor. But I don't think their ceiling is very high, in my opinion. I think this women's team has the opportunity to just go so much further. Um, you know, you, you still got to give credit to McCall and the men's team because what he's doing over there is nothing short of amazing, I guess, because, you know, he's, he's turning around. He's also trying to turn around a program. But I don't know if some of you saw the women's basketball team about a few days ago, we're able to pick up some new recruits, and so here are some of the signings. Uh, Angelique Nagal Kuladondi. I definitely messed that uh, name up. Sorry about that. Maeve Donnelly and Grace Heaps. So Angelique is a six-two forward from Manchester, New Hampshire. She went to Proctor Academy. Um, Maeve Donnelly is a 6'3 center slash forward from Binghampton, Bing New York. Uh, that's really exciting to see a 6'5 center slash forward being recruited here. So that's just one more height piece that they can add. Grace Heaps is a 5'11 guard from East Greenbush, New York. And then... They had one more, I believe. It was sort of later on in the night. Sydney Taylor, the 5'9 guard from Huntington Station, New York. So, 
Those are the four signees that we know of so far. Coach Verdi quote tweeted it and said, very exciting, or I'm very excited for this incoming class. And yeah, so it should be, you know, we'll keep an eye on them. We'll, we'll see what they do from now until the time that they're, they arrive here in Amherst. But um, aside from signings, I sort of uh, went to media availability about a week ago, was able to capture some sound bites from Coach Verdi. So without further ado, we will play those for you right now. Sort of an early lead last game. Uh, what have you guys worked on this week to try to prevent another early uh, deficit? Well, I mean, they had two days off, first of all. Um, and uh, today was our first day uh, back on the court. Um, I, I can assure you that um, we spent a lot of time going through that film. Um, you know, we, we just, Towson sped us up, and you know, they, we, they created a lot of adversity, and we didn't do a good job, um, you know, handling it. You know, I felt that we imploded uh, instead of coming together, and, and that's like a leadership thing, too, and, um, and owning that. I, I thought that. Uh, you know, some of our players just tried to make things happen, and, and then all of a sudden we started going, you know, one on three and one on four, and instead of playing together as units. So um, like you got to give Towson credit for what they did to us um, defensively, um, but but I think that uh, we will definitely grow from from this past experience. Uh, Bree has loved the team in points over the last over the first two games. Can you just talk about her play of late and what you've seen from her. Yeah, I mean she, she's in the an aggressive scoring guard, um, you know, we expect her to attack downhill and get to the rim, and, and she does a really good job of, of doing that for us. So, um, you know, she's going to have those opportunities. Uh, but again, you know, she's going to create for herself, and she's uh, going to create for her teammates. Um, you know, she's really confident, um, and, and we need her uh, uh, to be able to put up some points for us too. Uh, going off of that, Bree was one of the probably only bright spots offensively. How do you get everyone else in the team going? Yeah, you know, I. I We've had that conversation, and you know our players gotta, you know, again um, get some good, feel good shots off. They gotta get in the gym, and, and uh, you know some of our returners need to, need to play better for us, and and so and, and they will. You know, I mean, we got some really good looks early on, and um, you know we just didn't knock them down. You know, we, we did we did a really good job of collapsing defense, kicking it out, and instead of knocking down the three, you know we missed it. So um, again, you know our our players will you know continue to. Um, get at it and, 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 and uh, you know, continue to get a little bit more confidence um, and uh, spend a little bit more time in the gym here uh, this week. Uh, overall, what are you looking for from uh, Central Connecticut on Saturday? Yeah, I'm just looking for us to, uh, to bounce back uh, with, with more energy and excitement and, and play better, you know, on both sides of the ball and, uh, you know, be a better team um, and help, help each other out. And, and we were none of those things. We were dysfunctional. Um, and, and so that part was disappointing because um, I thought that uh, we were beyond that. But again, you know, we're young. You know, we have, we have a lot of players, you know, playing a lot of minutes uh, who haven't played much. Um, and, and so, again, when you face that type of uh, adversity, you got to figure out how to respond to it. And, and so that's what we're looking for, you know. And they have to understand that, uh, you know, this game coming up on Saturday, regardless of who it is, you know, it, it's the biggest game of the year. And we have to attack it that way. Um, keeping with Central Connecticut, uh, 
Kiana Patterson, what big point scorer, what steps are you guys taking to limit her? Yeah, you know, we know that uh, she can score at all three levels. You know, she's going to get the bulk of their, to- their, their touches uh, offensively. We got to make sure that uh, she gets, uh, you know, zero open looks. And you got to make sure that we chase her off the screens, whether, you know, they're staggers or flares, she's going to get those. Uh, but she cannot get open looks at the basket. We got to, you know, make sure that we're there um, on, on the catch. Destiny Filoxi had a great first game, a little bit of setback in the second game. What do you expect from her these next few games? Yeah, you know, uh, again, you know, Destiny's, you know, a freshman. You know, she's a really good transition kid. And, um, you know, again, we didn't have those opportunities uh, against Townsend. So, um, you know, I expect her to, you know, just, you know, go in there and and, and play hard and, you know, if we're able to get deflections and steals, then, you know, we're going to get those opportunities to, you know, push and, and score on the opposite end. So, uh, again, you know, we just want her to go out there and do her job, and, and, and that is to, you know, play really good defense. And, you know, if the points come, you know, they come, you know. And, and, and again, uh, you know, we're not looking, you know, for her to, you know, score, you know, uh, a ton of points for us. You know, can she? Does she have the ability? Yeah, no question about it. But she is a freshman. Uh, someone like Haley has kind of struggled to find her shot so far this year. Is that something that you think will just come with rhythm, or is it something she has to work? Yeah, you know, I mean, she she's aware of it. You know, it, it, it's not a problem. You know, I promise you that she makes shots in practice. And we see it each and every single day. Um, so, you know, I expect her to, you know, hopefully come out here on, on Saturday and probably have one of the best, you know, games of her career, and, and she'll be fine. I'm not, she's the last one that I'm worried about. Uh, you spoke on the team being young this year. Um, it's like to have a player like Kansas from there, but she's coming back this year and she's senior. What is her role? Yeah, her role is to you know uh, score for us and, and attack the rim. You know, and, and she can you know shoot the three and she can attack the rim and you know uh, again you know provide us with with some point production um, and uh, you know. Uh, again, uh, you know, she's having the five points right now for us. I, I think she can step it up a little bit more and be a little bit more aggressive um, and knock down, you know, some, some more shots for us. So hopefully that will, uh, there'll be some carry over to, uh, to Saturday's game for us. We good? And there you go. Coach Verdi giving the best answers he can give like he always does. We're looking forward to getting him on a weekly show and, you know, just pick his brain on the team and really just every Friday get sort of a a weekly recap of the women's team. And I think we'll be able to make that happen. So definitely try to stay tuned. I think maybe next week, potentially next Friday, we could get something of that nature rolling and could potentially even have some content up by next Friday. So women's basketball, This is the place. This is the place you're going to want to be listening for everything women's over the over the radio airwaves. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So we're going to cut to commercial break real quick. Uh, A little bit of an early one. When we come back, we have a little bit of a surprise for you guys. So stay tuned here on WMUA 91.1 FM. This is the Unbeaten Show. This is WMUA Sports. Show your UMass pride everywhere you go with a UMass Amherst special license plate. All proceeds benefit student scholarships and programs, and the special plate fee is tax deductible. Get all the details and order your plate at umassalumni.com or call 800-456-UMASS. Remember to ride with UMass pride. 
Hi, this is Coolio. I have it, you have it, we all have it. It's called blood. And every three seconds, someone needs blood. Each year, four million people need blood transfusions. You can help by becoming a blood donor. It's fast, simple, and safe. One donation from you can save up to three lives. Be a lifesaver. Call 1-866-FROM-YOU. That's 1-866-376-6968. Toll free to find out where you can donate and save a life today. You're listening to UMass Athletics on WMUA Sports. Welcome back into the studio, Unbeaten Show 91.1. Thanks for tuning in. Um, As you know, or if you don't know, I announced at the beginning of the episode that this would be pre-recorded days ahead of time simply because I will not be here on campus the week of Thanksgiving. So I'm recording this on the 15th of November which means that if I cover any sport-related topics, it'll probably be irrelevant by the time this drops in five days. So what I like to do with these episodes right before I go on holiday break is make it a little bit fun, and we usually just sort of go through either Reddit or Yahoo. We find sport debate questions or sport debate topics, and I just sort of ramble. So that was the little bit, that's the surprise that you guys are going to get today with the first question being, what was the best decade for basketball? Right away on this forum, I'm seeing a lot of 90s, a lot of mentions of the Chicago Bulls in the 90s, a lot of 80s talking about Celtics and Lakers, Bird and Magic, and... That's about it. <laughs> and I, I honestly could agree. I think maybe the 80s, just because, just simply because of the uh, Celtics Lakers rivalry that was so captivating. Uh, Magic Bird, and then my, even Michael played in the you know late 80s as well. And you had the Bad Boy Pistons. I don't think you can really beat the 80s. I get the people who say the 90s Bulls. But I think the Bulls were just so competitive. They won, what, like five uh, in the 90s. So they won half the 90s. Uh, I think the 80s were much more back and forth, a little more competitive. Uh, and I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say more fun to watch because I wasn't alive at that time. But from everything that I've heard and everything that I've watched in documentary or whatever, seems like the 80s were a lot more exciting in terms of rivalry. And... Yeah, I don't think there's too much else to to cover on that question. Sort of moving on to the next one. Just because this one is Patriots, I'll cover it. Um, it, Just one of the questions on this site is, uh, now that the the Titans scored uh, or scorched the Patriots 34-10, what is wrong? And I wouldn't say anything is wrong with the team. The team's 7-3, so... You can't really say anything's wrong with the team. I, I know that Patriots fans are only used to losing three games in a season, let alone three games through week 10. So there's a bye week coming up for the Patriots. That gives them two full weeks in advance in preparation against 
the Jets, I think. Um, but, you know, I don't think anything's wrong with the team. The offense, there's nothing wrong with the offense. Every now and then you're going to have a, you know, a game where maybe the offense performs a little bit more than usual. And that's, you know, that's no hot take. Everyone knows that. And then defense, my hot take there will be that they are atrocious. They are absolutely terrible and that they will be the ruining of this year's team. I I mean, if you look at what the defense has done so far this season, it's nothing to be over. I think, I mean, it's it's by far, no question, the offense has carried this team um, just to the 7-3 and three record that they have. The defense is pretty much responsible for every, every loss so far this season. And I would say that the defense is the reason the Patriots will probably lose in the first round of the playoffs. I don't think... There's no chance that they clinch home field at this point. That's pretty much out the window. They're going to have to win out, and even still, it's not guaranteed. At this point, it's. I don't even know if I could safely say that the Patriots will grab the two seed. You know, there's. I think. I think there's plenty of other teams that can make hot runs right now. And the Chiefs are obviously the dominant, the number. The, there's probably the surefire lock for number one in the AFC. And then, what I'll just say real quick is, the Titans. Or Matt, um, Mike Vrabel knows the Patriots inside and out. He he's he's played for them. He's studied them. I don't. He might have coached for them. Don't quote me on that. But you know, if there was anybody to do it, it's always you know, if there's anyone to do it against Bill, it's always former players, former staff, because nothing's changed. I mean, it's the same system. Obviously, there's adjustment adjustments, and they do things better than everyone else. But if you know the system, you can find a loophole, and there's a way to work through that. I mean, no wonder he lost to the Lions. No wonder he's he lost to Vrabel here or last week. So, I mean, nothing nothing is necessarily wrong with them. I would say there's something wrong with the defense. I don't think you could say there's anything wrong with the team when it's only half of the team. I would say that Maybe the offense can carry them to a to a I don't even know maybe like a one a first round win in the playoffs. But after that, it's I don't think it looks too hopeful. I mean, you just have way too many teams that are way too uh, stronger than them, and it's just I mean I know they they did beat the Chiefs, which was a impressive win. So sometimes you know the Patriots are an outlier in the sense that you can't always, you know, say, all right, well, they beat the Chiefs once, they can they can beat them again. That's, you know, that's not necessarily true. Um, yeah, all right, that's, that's not football talk. I feel like I'm repeating myself here. Move on to the next question. All right, next question is, should we end the designator, designated hitter in the American League? And I think that's the wrong question to be asked. I asked, I think the question should be, should we start adding a designated hitter in the National League? Right now, you're at a point where baseball is at an all-time World Series 
viewing low, like a decade low. You have teams with super large payrolls that are just expected to win pretty much right off the bat. It's in a way like the NBA because you can build super teams, but at the same time, it's it's not the NBA. It's not it's not as flashy. They don't have they don't have the superstars that the NBA has. They they don't have the the speed of play that the NBA has. They don't have the physicality that football has. I think baseball is in an interesting spot where you need something. You need a spark. You need some sort of excitement. Think about the last time baseball saw its 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 greatest era of popularity. The 90s, right? The 90s going into the early 2000s when all all those, you know, Sosa, Maguire, Bonds, they were all juiced hypothetically, theoretically, and that was when peop- mo- the most amount of people were watching. They were tuning in for the big hits, you know, the home runs, the the superstars that were larger than life not only as a phrase, but literally larger than life. These guys were massive. And I think that's what people like seeing. They like seeing the juggernauts, sort of, you know, the the power, the strength, the... I mean, and, and I guess you could say that... I guess that you could say that there's more home runs now than ever. I think it was maybe last season that the MLB saw, like, not, not this this past season, but the season before, the MLB saw the most amount of home runs in a season, which is fine. So you could say the power hitting might be there. And then you can make the argument that steroids doesn't make the game necessarily more exciting. That's fine. But then I'll then I'll point out the fact that where's the where's the marketing of their superstars? Where's the 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 Odell Beckham Juniors and the I don't even know like the Steph Curry's of the MLB. I feel like there's a superstar for every league that's just transcends the game. You look at LeBron James. You look at uh, I guess you could say Sidney Crosby. I guess the NHL kind of lacks in that superstar department too, in my opinion. Um, it's more so the NBA and the NFL that have you know players like Odell Beckham. And you know, you know, you know the point I'm getting at here is that there's there's big name stars that aren't just aren't just athletes, but really celebrities. And with baseball, you don't feel like there's a a face a face of the game essentially. You look at somebody like Mike Trout, and I mean, I, I feel like you throw the you throw the name out Mike Trout or Mookie Betts to just some random non-sports fan on the street and they probably wouldn't know those names maybe I'm being naive but they would be much more likely to know who LeBron James was or Odell Beckham Jr. just because they're they're almost state like household names whereas baseball I think just needs to do a better job marketing to people that aren't that weren't watching baseball in the 90s I feel like the the majority of baseball fans are in that, you know, 40, 50, 60s age range. And I think that's even been proven with studies. I don't have them in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, I've, I've heard that before, and that's where 
all things are pointing towards that they need a younger fan base. And I think, you know, Manfred's done as the best job he can in trying to lure in a younger base. It, you know, he's trying to speed up the, the pace of play, which is important because I think that's why people love basketball and football. It's just, it's a quick, quick pace, quick, quick playing. Um, and baseball is just too slow. It's not enough action. It's too boring for people nowadays. We're, we're moving so fast in a world where, you know, who, who has the time to really sit down and watch a three and a half, four hour baseball game? You know, I mean, you saw the, was it game five, game four, game five of the World Series went 18 innings, lasted like six, seven hours. I mean, baseball is pretty much the only, it is the only major sport out of, out of it is the only out of the major four that doesn't run on a clock. And I think you need to implement some sort of pitch clock or, you know, uh, I mean, I think they've already started to limit mound visits. And I give Manfred credit because, you know, he didn't come in there and just throw all these new rules down on the table uh, to be implemented immediately. He's sort of giving owners this grace period. He, you know, I hope he'll follow through, but it sounds like for the most part, he's just letting them ease into these new rules that will eventually be implemented. So, I mean, I think he's losing fan base the longer he waits, but at least he's, it's a courtesy to the players and the, the, the longtime owners and managers of Major League Baseball that probably don't want to see a lot of these, um, you know, pace of play rules implemented in the game. But, you know, at the end of the day, you just need to speed up the game. I think also, you know, social media plays a big part of it. I know they are, most most leagues are prevalent on social media. But, you know, I, sometimes I, I follow the MLB on Twitter. You know, I follow them. I've, I've seen their stuff. Sometimes I don't think they're the most connected with the younger fan base. It seems like whoever runs it is sort of a little bit older than maybe, you know, I think you want to be trying to reach the college age to 20s and 30s demographic. And it seems like whoever's running the Twitter accounts are a little bit older than that. It's just, it's really straightforward, kind of dry material. It's nothing, nothing clever, sharp, witty. You know, you look at some teams that hire like young, young kids or people to do their the social media, like what was it, the the um, UMBC team in the tournament, they were just like on fire uh, with Twitter last year because they clearly had somebody somebody young, witty running the account. It it got not only did they knock off the the six the, the not only did them the 16 seed knock off the number one seed, which gave them attention, but their Twitter account brought in a ton of like even more attention. People that probably weren't even following the tournament were just seeing their tweets all the time because they were so clever, so funny. And I think that's another big thing that MLB has to do um, to really get eyeballs on the league that wouldn't necessarily be on the league. You know what I'm saying? Like, Even non-sports fans will see that kind of stuff pop up in their feed, and that's how you get more viewership and whatnot. So... Um, yeah, we don't have a whole lot of time left, so I'll probably just stay talking about, you know, the MLB, but, you know, I think it comes down to maybe doing a little bit more personal, personal, I guess, anecdotes or stories surrounding players, because then you humanize them, and then people will be able to sort of relate on a personal level with these players. I feel like the NBA does a, uh, the NBA does a really good job in promoting or making videos and sort of showing who their players are 
and we we you know we hear a lot from them where it's like I I don't think baseball players are as vocal on social media. They sort of keep to themselves, and it's hard to get a human aspect out of them, especially when you know I think this is kind of a stretch, but players that wear helmets are harder to relate to, whereas you see basketball's face, uh, basketball players' faces all the time on the court, and I think that makes them a little bit more uh, human and more relatable. You want to watch the game, where it's like as you know with baseball, it's kind of it's it's hard to. You know, you just see them as players. When when you see the when you see these people as humans, I think it makes it more personal to watch the game. And you know, maybe that's a stretch, but um, any anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this sort of fun little episode with uh, the forum questions. It's about all the time we have today. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Unbeaten Show, and we will see you here next week on Tuesday. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving. Take care.